This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. Or at least you better be. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. All right, buddies. Holy shit. We've got an amazing episode today because today I sit down with 59-year-old rock and roll legend, Mr. Steve Diggle from the Buzzcocks. Um, now, I wasn't sure if this interview was even going to happen. I didn't have that much prepared. But as you're going to hear in today's interview, like I didn't need that much happen. I pretty much just hit record and uh, Steve just talked away and it was fan-fucking-tastic. Holy shit. I'm sorry to cuss so much. I just re-listened to the interview and I can't believe it even happened. Um, I'm a newfound fan of the Buzzcocks, as I tell Steve here in a few minutes. I work at a Whole Foods grocery store here in uh, beautiful Denver, Colorado. And, uh, you know, I, I kept hearing the song, Falling in Love with Someone. Let's see what the official name is. Ever fallen in love with someone you shouldn't have fallen in love with. Uh, I kept hearing on the Whole Foods Muzak, and I kept going like, who is this? I love this song. I know all the words of the song. I have no idea who it was. I thought it was something off the Empire Records soundtrack, and it might very well be in that movie somewhere because it's a movie's got such a great soundtrack. But, you know, I thought it was a 90s song, so one day I'm at work, and I just go up to the computer, and I Google it, and I'm like, holy shit, this is the Buzzcocks? No way. And that was about a year ago. And ever since, every time that song comes on, I hear it at least once a week. It gets stuck in my head and gets stuck in my head and gets stuck in my head. And it really has become one of my favorite songs. So um, I've delved deep into the catalog ever since then and just become a giant fan. And I never, ever thought I'd get a chance to uh, see them, much less interview them. And unfortunately, I was in the middle of interviewing Newfound Glory uh, for New Noise Magazine, who got me my press pass for this uh, weekend at Ride Fest in Denver at Mile High stadium i was in the middle of interviewing newfound glory i missed the majority of uh, the buzzcock set as well as all set the descendant side project band but i did get to catch about five to ten minutes maybe maybe not even ten minutes maybe just five minutes of the buzzcock set and it was pretty damn awesome so needless to say um, i wasn't expecting to get the interview i'm texting their tour manager um raf and you know not really getting a response back but there's you know how many thousands of people all trying to use their cell phones to instagram photos of their favorite bands so we're in the middle of watching deantbert uh their set starting up deantbert i don't know if i ever say that name right but there we go um i get this phone call and i'm like i can't hear anything because he's in the press tent that was super loud i'm watching this band that's super loud I shoot him a text back. I'm like, sorry, dude, I can't hear anything. He's like, hey, if you want to interview Steve Diggle, be here in five minutes at the PR tent. I drop everything, hug my friend goodbye. I run through the crowd. I run, And, of course, this is the moment where I run into everybody at Riot Fest at Denver is during uh, <laughs> when I'm trying to get somewhere as quick as I possibly can. But I get back there, and then they take us through the, the maze that is underneath Mile High Stadium, you know, the home of the Denver Broncos. And I'm not a football fan, but i got to tell you, it's pretty damn cool to walk into this um, opposing team's locker room and see all these bands 
uh, band names and curtains and everything hiding everybody around. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like, I'm in, I'm in the belly of the beast here. And, uh, and I got to sit down with Steve Diggle, and we got to chat it up. And uh, he popped open a bottle of champagne. And was like, hey, mate, do you want some? And you're going to hear all that in a minute. And I'm just like, absolutely. And I got to tell you, it was just a very surreal experience. Um, as you're going to find out here in a minute, he had only been running on two hours of sleep. Who knows how much booze he had in him, too, or, or if any, until this uh, bottle of champagne got popped open. Um, and it's a Cockney accent. I can't understand half of it. Um, but, no, actually, I can understand very well, and I'm very, very honored and very pleased to have gotten to sit down and talk to him. I'm still just still so blown away. Um, we're going to do a full recap on NewNoiseMagazine.com when I find the time. I work 40 hours a week, plus Mostly Harmless. Um, we got videos coming up over there. I got interviews with Newfound Glory, Clutch, uh, Manchester Orchestra. Jeez, um, got it. Um, Spike from me first in the Gimme Gimmies. We did about 10 interviews all in total, and I didn't don't have any of those written down right now. So I'm kind of like, well, who else did I talk to? Oh, Brian from the Bouncing Souls gave me a tattoo while I interviewed him. That's going to be a video up on NewNoiseMagazine.com. Uh, it's a New Noise, Mostly Harmless co-production, and hopefully we'll be doing more of those down at the fest. But pay attention to MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com and NewNoiseMagazine.com, uh, and uh, you'll see my updates as soon as I find the time to do them. Uh, huge special thanks to Death Wish Coffee and their super caffeinated blend of dark roast. Um, man, I, I really needed this coffee to get me through the weekend. They were long, long days, lots of work, lots of interviews, lots of drinking. Um, holy crap, it was such a good time. Uh, Death Wish Coffee, the most caffeinated, dark roasted coffee you can find in America. Uh, visit deathwishcoffee.com. Tell them Mostly Harmless Podcast sent you and uh, pick up a pack. You won't regret it. The fresher it is, the stronger it is, the better it is, the more it will help you see through time and space. Uh, big shout-out to uh, the Riot Fist guys. I've been to Riot Fist at Humboldt Park in Chicago, Mayfires in Briars, Colorado, and then now this one at Mile High Stadium here in the center of all that is Denver at the foot of the Broncos Stadium. And i got to tell you, I've been to many Warp Tours at a Mile High Stadium and hated every experience, but I loved my experience at Riot Fest. This is the best Riot Fest I'd been to. Many of the bands um, that I met backstage were like, yeah, this is way better um, as far as layout, as far as there not being mud pits everywhere. PR booth, well, that was kind of an afterthought and it kind of got screwed up, but we're not going to talk about that today. Um, Huge thanks to Lisa and Tony from New Noise Magazine for getting me my press pass and helping setting everything up. Uh, Huge thanks to Heather West for uh, just being an all-around awesome PR person, helping me uh, helping me out all weekend. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Hopefully you listen to this. Maybe one day you and me can sit down and we can have like our own little 30-minute uh, podcast chat thing. Um, without any further ado, I've rambled way long enough. We're going to go ahead and play a song off uh, the Buzzcocks' new album. they got a new album coming out, I believe, in November. I should have the date written down here, but I'm not a professional here. I'm just some, you know, whatever. I make, I make too much fun of myself here, buddies, and I'm really, really excited. Uh, but we're going to play a new song. It's a new single off their record, The Way. It's called It's Not You. Uh, it comes out very soon. Uh, we're going to talk about that record here today. And stay tuned afterwards. I'm going to play my favorite song from the Buzzcocks, Ever Fallen in Love with Someone You Should've, Shouldn't Have Fallen in Love With. Uh, all right, buddies. Let's take a listen. It's not you, so I close my eyes. It's not you, so I fantasize. It's not you, so I So I'm on my own now What am I living for? It's not you 
Yeah, it's San Diego last night, drove yeah. back, and then you know, we had about two hours sleep, and then we came here. So, so it's been a bit full on this bit. We've had some uh, easier days, yeah, but it's kind of that one, you know. What I mean? are, you, are you running on uh, two hours of sleep right now? Yeah, oh man, how are you still standing? Well, I don't know, you know, with that kind of set we do, and it's a lot of fucking work. Yeah, do you want any champagne? Then? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. I always carry three glasses. <laughs> good man, good man. Uh, thanks for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. Like, You're welcome. I was kind of, I'm not going to lie, I was a little uh, blown away when my, my uh, they got approved. But I won't, I won't take too much time. That's right. That's right. We're rolling on, I mean, it's kind of like, this kind of time space is uh, like what we used to do um, a few years back where uh, there was no sleep forever. But you were a little bit younger then, you know, you try and pace you a little bit more. Now. But that's been the intense bit yesterday. You know? <laughs> yeah, how was the show last night? Yeah, it was really good. It was fucking rocking. Cheers. cheers. And uh, we, we do a. Uh, we do an hour and a half now, me. Yeah. Uh, and we do. Um, we've just been doing six songs from the new album. And stuff. Nice. Yeah. I. Uh, what? I, I. I didn't get to catch the full set today because I was busy interviewing another man. But sure. the ten minutes I did catch, get this chance to see was fantastic. Yeah. You guys were my number one band to see today. Right. And, but instead, I get to meet you. That's a fucking even better. Uh, even better to you. Okay, that sounds good. So it's, uh, uh, let's just get started. Money was Damien, by the way. It was so loud out there. I don't. Nice Damien, yeah. Um, and it's down. My ears are ringing myself. Yeah, three weeks on the road. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so we, so me and a buddy of mine were joking about why you guys had to go on so early, and uh, he thinks that any later would be past your bedtime. <laughs> now, now we're joking, of course. But uh, um, how is it going on so early? Well, it, 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 yeah, you know, I mean. There's two theories with that. It's kind of like you go on while the people are still kind of, uh, you know, aware of what's going on and they're not too fucking drunk or lost yeah. in some ways. Or you go on late and you don't know, you know, where they're going to be at. But I mean, we, you know, we didn't particularly fix these times and, um, you know, it, there was a full crowd there. That's the main yeah. thing. You know, I think a lot of people have come to see Buzzcock, so, you know. But um, in terms of that, it's like, look, you know, we've still got the fucking energy, you know. Yeah. I've got the strength of 10 injured fucking yeah. kids when I'm on there, some people say to me. Yeah, so, I, I, you know. Where do you find that energy to get up there and do that in the middle of the day? Well, especially after you only got two hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah. But it used to be like that back in the day a bit more. It was like that every day, you know. But, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, it's a little, yeah. little bit easier. Um, but it's still, it's still there, you know, we've been a solid touring machine for years and, you know, we're used to dealing with that, you know. Yeah. It don't get any easier, but you know what you're getting into, yeah. you know what I mean? And, um, but like I say, you know, I mean, it's like, the buzzcocks on that energy level never goes down whatever gig it is and how much less sleep we've had. Right. I mean, we played in uh, China a while back and we missed a plane because in China there was a fucking huge traffic jam. We had to get three planes to get from Beijing to Shanghai. And uh, it took three planes to get there. We should have got at the hotel to relax a bit, but 
we checked in the hotel and went straight out on the fucking stage, you know. <laughs> so that's even less than this. But, um, you know, that's been part of what we've done for years. Yeah. You know? are, are you surprised to still be doing this so long into your career? <clears throat> well, yes and no. It, it's kind of like when we started out, you, you, you didn't plan even the next week or the next month, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, I think the Buscock songs, it's like that's our strengths. That's our things. They've seen it through three generations now. So we get like a lot of younger kids, yeah. guys that were around at the time, and all the rest of it. You know, yeah. and those songs are timeless. They still sound like they made last week. When we was in the studio, you never envisaged stuff like that. Right. Well, it was a postcard, you know. Well, it's it's funny because I I'm kind of a newcomer. Like I've been a quote-unquote punk rock kid for most of my life, mm. but I never listened to the Buzzcocks until just a couple of years ago. And yeah. here's where it gets funny. I work at a grocery store, and yeah. I kept hearing Falling in Love on the PA. And I'm right. like, I fucking love this song. Who yeah. is it? I thought it was a 90s song. Right. And I go and I look it up, and I'm like, holy shit, this is the Buzzcocks? I've been missing this my entire yeah, life? 1978, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, how does it feel to have a have that song still last and be played in grocery stores? Right, like yeah, is yeah. It, is it weird to have something yeah, you wrote? Yeah, we got a lot of I know that's uh, well known, but you get songs like Harmony in My Head or Ton Minutes. It's almost like a secret society as well, you know. There's so many people I know and so many young kids. Um, Two thirds of the audience, audience are young kids, like right. worldwide, because we go Australia, we go everywhere, all around Europe. And it's like, these kids weren't even born, right. but it, it kind of lasted on. It's the, like, their parents weren't even born. No, that's yeah. right, you know. But it's kind of like that. It's like Shakespeare, you know. He wrote them plays mm -hmm. a long time ago, and people are still doing productions of yeah. that. So it's kind of that good still flash, you know. Right. I mean, I live in Highgate Village, and Ray Davis lives down the road for me. I see him every day, and it's like, fuck, you know. He made them great king songs. Yeah. Um, you know, he, you know, yeah. they're not still going, but... Um, the then songs, songs live on, you know. Yeah. And that's that's the importance of it, you know. And the thing is, you know, we're still rocking up there. We've still got the energy and the whole thing about it. Yeah. Uh, do, I, I like to ask people a lot of times, too, when it comes to, like, this stuff. Uh, do you find, do you consider yourself a writer or a conduit for these ideas and things to flow through you? Well, a writer, really. Even before I joined this band, I was writing songs, and it was all about trying to write. I found myself... Uh, years down the line, because when punk rock started in 1976, the intensity right. of the message yeah. and the world was a heavier place at that moment. It was like the progressive rock band, bands had kind of got a little bit worn out, singing mushrooms in the sky and stuff. And when you're 20 years old, you wanted something a bit more instant and relevant. So it was kind of like that, you know. So I got, you know, you're kind of doing it like that, and then I found like became a performer with it after a while because now we're older it's like let's embrace this thing and what I'm fucking doing up here I want to know what you're doing out right. here and you get the audience and the and the band two juxtapositions that make a third in the middle that's where you see God the devil and everything else you know that's where the magic happens so I, I think, you know, I've developed that way just as a natural thing. It's like, you know, we're doing this night after night. You need fucking something there, you know. Right. So that's, you know, that's very important. And as a band and the nature of music, of the Buzzcocks music, people get into it on that level. They go, fuck, here we go. You bought your ticket for the plane, 
We're taking off, yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's taking them in a refined way. Are you, uh, is the guy sitting in front of me the guy that gets on stage, or are they two different people, two different characters? Well, they're two different people, but the same one, you know. Yeah. And the same Robin as Robin, William, Robin Williams. Had. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit too. But the thing is, is that it's kind of that, you know, who you are, you know, I can be a shy, sensitive, insular guy at home. But if, um, when you go on the stage, it's kind of like, you know, it has to open up. Take it with you, Peter. There's there's more there, isn't there as well. No, I don't know. All right. <laughs> You've all got to go. <laughs> um, but um, also, you, you know, you, you become this sort of thing. This is what you wanted to do when you was a kid before right. you had the guitar, you know. You know, it was like, well, it must be great to be on the stage and do that. But, but more importantly with punk rock, it was about the attitude as well. And it was about, it went about our surroundings, what about, you know, politically, socially, and the human condition and stuff. Who am I? What am I doing? Yeah. And what am I doing listening to me? And when the punk rock music came out, it was like, for me, and I'm sure for a lot of other people, you had to rethink your whole consciousness about why you was listening to music, not just being entertained, tapping your foot or something. It was like, important, that thing of like, you know, what am I getting from your music? You know? And, Do you and, still get those things now? Yeah. Okay. I mean, all the songs I write are about inspiration, really. Probably starts off with myself, but at the same time, I'm thinking at the same time, I'm almost slightly writing in the third person because I'm thinking, I just want to inspire people out there. Yeah. I want to go like, you can fucking do this and that, and yeah. we can question things or we can embrace things, you know. It's like Turner with those paintings, tie yourself to the mask, let's see what's happening. You know? yeah. And that's far more important than, we didn't want to be loved out there and go, well, what right. do you think of this and that? It's like, we're all fucking involved in it. You know? yeah. And that, that kind of music, and there's been a lot of it over the years, you know, the Kinks, the Who, fucking Led Zeppelin, everything, yeah. it involves you, it makes you go, do you know what? I've got to rethink my fucking self, you know. Even if you're a road sweeper, you start sweeping. They start sweeping the road different if you listen to punk rock. Right. People got into you know films and photography and all. And you know I meet some of these people. They go, if it weren't for punk rock, I wouldn't be doing a film this way, or I wouldn't be doing this this way. You know. So that inspirational well was very important. You know? And then here you are. You guys got a new record coming out called The mm. Way. Yeah. So I take it that well is still very very deep for you. Absolutely, yeah. We we take time. It's been about five years since we've done a record, but we've been traveling the world, yeah. just getting on <laughs> off from being a greater band, you know. How much how much traveling are you doing still these days? Oh, we all summer we, we yeah. we've been we've been, we've been all over Europe, you know, France, Italy, you, you name it, you know, Australia. Yeah. We go all over and everywhere. There's everybody knows the buzzcocks, you know, which is amazing because like I say it's almost like a secret society right, as well. Yeah. No. Deliberately, but it's like, you know, fucking, you know, you've got all these X Factor type of programs and all that, and you've got, you know, things, but somehow those records are translated to people on the street, word of mouth. Which, when we started, the word of mouth was faster than an email. Right. You know, it's like, fuck, how does somebody, you know, in another town or from Manchester to London know? what we're doing, 
but they did somehow by the magic and the love of music. And it's like how did it know in Australia or you know, Tijuana or in the States yeah. and and that kind of thing, that love of music with everybody kind of moves real fast, you know. And um, you know, that makes a big difference. It's like that's how fucking stronghold they you know. Yeah. People know we ain't fucking bullshitting them. And people like the lyrics, they're a little bit existential sometimes. And a bit about, like I say, the human condition and stuff. And and we've got the tunes, you know. Yeah. We've got the avant-garde stuff and we've got the tunes, which is where we like to be at, you know. You hear some of these people screaming and shouting, you don't know what the fuck's going on, you know. Yeah. They're all welcome at a party, but it's you know. It's just a wall. Yeah. We're not thinking like, you know, a bit more philosophical about it as well. But we can rock out too. It's you need all those ingredients to make a good fucking meal. <laughs> and uh, I've only I've only heard the one song off the way, but it sounds right. like you did that. Like yeah, you've made that meal. Like it's a great yeah. song. It's catchy. Yeah, catchy yeah. that's the one song. But when you use songs like the Third Dimension on them, we just got a groove a lot heavier. Yeah. that's where we're at as well, really. That's the one that's like the fucking single, but the album as a whole. It was, was described by some journalists as a white, the white album. Like, I don't, I don't know where that's coming from, but when you think the white album, because I was thinking Sour Exile on Main Street and some of these as well, because I was kind of thinking it hasn't just got the hits and this and that. It's like, like those two albums, it's got an overall flavour and a smell and a sense of things. And that's, I thought, well, I've got what you kind of said now about that. Maybe, you know, yeah. um, it, it's a weird one, but it's like, you've got like the buzzcocks with heavier riffs and weird things going on, all the things we came from, all the things we've used along the way, but we've made it into a, a newer thing or an up-to-date thing right. for us, you know. Yeah. And it works. When you hear the album, you know, you'll get the whole picture. I'm excited to hear it. Um, you know, the single's just like the fucking well, right. taste. Really. Yeah, I don't think the, that's the best one by any means. It's, it's, the, it's the fishing line. You're going fishing. Yeah. You're trying to see. Yeah. The other ones, I mean, there's, there's loads of fucking singles on there. <laughs> loads of fucking heavier stuff. That one looks like the record company shows that. It's like, oh, okay. Saber's all going. It should be this and that. Let's just go in there. But that's only a taste, really. Do you have a favorite song yeah. on the record to look for? Yeah, well, the third dimension. Is third there. dimension. All right. That's what I fucking. I'd, I'd, I'd look forward to it. Chasing rainbows is a bit more like the Ramones. I and I, I I took a little bit of a flavor of theirs, <laughs> and I thought, do you know what? I don't normally do that, but I just dump me cup to the Ramones who loved those, and they're all dead now. Relay it back, you know. <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of them in there. When you listen to the album, it's a whole, you know, it's a whole fucking yeah. thing. And hopefully, people listen that way rather than cherry pick off iTunes. I'm a young kid. I'm only 33. I still think right. of myself as a young kid. I'm a whole album kind of guy. Right. Always yeah. have, I don't get the mix yeah. and match. Never have. Well, that's what I'm saying. Just quickly going back to that single business. Yeah, yeah the single's good, but if you hear the album, it's like. That's the whole fucking picture. And and what's good about making an al al this album that way, it's like we're trying to encourage people to fucking listen to the album. Don't just pick the fucking hits, you know. Because yeah. it's better hits than the single on there, really. It's just that I think they took the fucking lighter one because yeah. of the fucking media bullshit, which yeah, that's not my business, you know. Yeah. My business is when we pay the people yeah. out there and those people know this stuff. But there's some great stuff on it, and overall you get a whole page of where the buzz comes from. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. 
It's fucking Steve Jobs that ruined it on. Yeah. God bless him, it's the same age, <laughs> he died. And you think, would you rather have multi millions in the bank like him, or would you rather be alive? And I'm still fucking I'd alive. rather be alive, too. Absolutely. Ah. And I wouldn't write, rip fucking the whole music business apart and go, you can have it for fuck all, and we'll make the money on Apple. And that's a problem, you know. Yeah. Well, it's accessible for everybody, but they fucking up in the long term. A bank can't make any fucking money now. I mean, we, we make money because we're old school and we come a long way, but a young band, it's made it impossible, man. Yeah. You put a record out, he's there for free for every fucker. Well, how do they, how do they survive, you know? It's still a big, you know, they need sociologists and fucking philosophers to figure out what Apple and all these other people are doing with all this fucking stuff, you know? It used to be just an A&R, man. Yeah, now it's... We'll put the record out. Well, it, 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 it's turning away at the fabric of it all, you know. Yeah. Well, you guys, how much input did you guys have on doing pledge music? Was that record people, or did you guys want to go to the fans? Well, we we, we kind of thought um, we we was with EMI Music for years. They own all the back catalog, yeah. and then it was bought out by Warner Brothers, who were on now. So you're constantly going through these corporate things, like yeah. you know, what the fuck? Somebody's selling this and trying to. You know, another. Yeah. It's like that thing in the Yellow Submarine. You remember that thing when it started going, eating it, eating things, and then it ate itself. It's, right. Yeah. And we just thought, do you know what? We were the first guys to uh, put a record out for five hundred pounds, thousand dollars on, on, on to make a record. I know they did in the fifties here in the states now, but it's like we thought if we take the demo to a record company. It was the most uncommercial music as possible at the time, so it was that kind of like, you know, I tell you what, let's just make a, make our own fucking single. Yeah. And it was, it's regarded as a stroke of genius, but it was also, it was a, a thing of necessity, you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, we did that, so here we are, full circle, we do all the big albums on United Arts and Earmark, all the hits, I'm on the thing. And then we're back to this other fucking business of like, oh, record companies are all in the fucking mess, you know. So we thought, well, let's roll the dice, you know. This pledge thing, uh, 30 odd years ago, we put our own single out. Let's see what the, how this pledge works. And we got enough money to make the album and everything. Did a hundred, uh, way more than you wanted. Way more than you wanted, yeah. yeah. But it was almost kind of like in the early 70s before punk, it's almost like pre-sales, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was kind of like, yeah. you know, well, put the money down now and then it, it, the record will come in in two weeks' time. So it, it's still a bit of old school and a bit of new school. Yeah. But um, hopefully that'll work for a lot of young bands too. Nice, nice. Mm. Well, uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, mm. One last kind of philosophical, philosophical question that I think you kind of already touched on and probably mm. already answered. But uh, do these creative juices, this creative well, do you think it's ever going to run empty? Do you think it's going to keep going? <clears throat> Not for me. I mean, uh, I, you know, there was a book by H.C. Wells called The History of Mr. Polly, and at the end it says, you know, he tries to kill himself, he tries to set the place on yeah. fire because he hates his wife and everything. And he ends up in some village fishing, and it's like, I found my place in life. And that was the thing, and it's like, you know, this is what we do, and I, you know, I give it all for that, you know what I mean? No fucking sleep, but wherever it fucking takes. It's like, this is what we do and how precious it is. And even more so now than ever, you know? I mean, we could stop tomorrow, you know, but it's like, do you know what? 
I'm glad we're fucking still around because people appreciate it and we're kind of thinking, you know, we ain't turned our back on it, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's you're still so having fun, important. right? Yeah, still having fun with it. And, you know, the band still works with it. You know? When I'm doing that harmony in my head and getting the people jumping and all sing along and doing that thing, you think, do you know what, in the back of my mind I'm thinking, that's why we fucking do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So see that magic there, you know? Yeah. And they love the harmony man for that, because we broaden it out, do the bit of guitar, the short, short it, you know, and you got more jumping, that's a new thing now, but it's like, there's a whole involvement in that song, we used to just play the song, but to see them all get involved and then they go back crazy, you know, there's a lot of love and a lot of things there, you know? Yeah. It's the same with all the songs there, but that one, that's like the pinnacle of the the things, you know what I mean? Yeah. I know you got here before, you know, but the album in my head was inspired by James Joyce. Cinematic imagery wasn't linear stuff, you know? So I wrote a second biggest thing in Britain called Promises, which is a love song, and Pete sang it. And uh, it's like, yeah, I've done that one. Now I want to go back on this program where it's fucking everyone. And that's what we did, you know. And it's always that, you know, you've got to still come back with more. And the new album is the way forward, you know. Yeah. That's the fucking way. And you're happy with it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Would you put out anything you weren't happy with? Uh, no. Good. Good answer. No. That's all you're gonna we? say. You don't have to explain. But, it. but the thing with the buzzcocks, it's <laughs> always fucking good. Even though I say it myself. You know, somehow we can't go wrong, you know? yeah. If there was a shit fucking song we'd be going, let's get rid of it. The thing was with this album, right? Me and Pete we said let's make it easy, make it quick for human response these days. Let's do five songs each. Let's do five songs each. It's easy. We've only got right five and a half. We came in the studio with ten each in yeah. here. <laughs> the hardest part was what to leave off. There's some great stuff we left off as well. It's like, fuck, maybe we should get on doing another album. <laughs> so it's, it's all got to be ongoing, you know. Good B-sides. But it, yeah, and we've got some great B-sides. The B-side of that single is called Generation Suicide, which isn't mixed. If we have a time mixing, we like, put it out this way. And I wrote that song because I thought, when I'm in the bars and listen to people, they're going like, all the clubs are closing down. There's a lot of places closing down in Britain and everywhere. You know? Places, and uh, you know, the CDs are going and this is going. So he starts off in it, all the, you know, all the CDs and the DVDs are all closing down. All those times in your mind are hard to find, you know. All the venues have got a different menu, it's a different town, because there's some places in Britain and everywhere, and it, it, it's like, remember that little club where people used to play and that's gone? It's a fucking gastro place now. So that's a good song as well. And, well, well Pete really wanted an album, and I didn't. It was my song, but we'd agreed we'd do these five we did, you know. So it's hard to leave that stuff out as well, but that's it on the album as well. But it's like, fuck, when you got that kind of choice, yeah. you had, you know, old ones left over and I did, you know, there's other ones as well, you know. It's like, fuck, we're back in the fucking zone with all that. Because we used to write a lot of great songs and you take five years out of it. Having said that, I, 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 I done like three solo albums in that time because I got bored of waiting for <laughs> us to try and get all together, you know. 
you're getting that practicality thing. Yeah. Got to keep but moving. I, yeah, well, I got, you know, I had an album called Air Conditioning, and when the students were writing in Britain, it came out at the same time, and the air conditioning was about the political inhalation we're breathing. It was nothing doing them fucking boxes on the wall, you know. It was all about that, you know. So I've been busy all the time, you know. Nice. Oh, good. All good. Well, sir, uh, when are you going to get some sleep? Um, no sleep till Hammersmith. Wasn't that Lemmy? Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks Thanks for taking time out right. of your night to talk with me. It was an absolute pleasure. Like, I'm Pleasure. starstruck. I'm yeah. ever so thankful. You're very welcome. Wow. Very well. And I say that sleep thing, having done it for 38 years now, your body comes attuned to these things. Yeah. It's like being in ma Nam in the music world, you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got to keep going through these fucking things. Yeah. It's, it's not really a, a good analogy, but it's, it's kind of like that, you know? You're fucking thrown into the deep end, you've got to survive. And that's what I say a lot of kids, to be honest. It's like, you can be the greatest guitarist in the world and the greatest musician. Then you've got to have the psychology of dealing with other people. Yeah. And you're gonna have the fucking thing of like, you might not fucking sleep, you gotta be here, there, and everywhere. And that breaks people. You know? yeah. When we started, they said the life, the producer at the time, Marcus, and he said the life span of a band will be five years. We go, oh, we'll, we'll, in your mind, we'll pass that, no, you know. And fuck me, he was right, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, but here we are, we, we went through a lot of drugs and a lot of things as well. Probably as much as fucking Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Brandt, he said, no, those buzzcocks, you know, it must have been them in the dressing room last night because we did a gig and he was playing the day. <laughs> but we did all that as well, you know, and that's a tough role. But it's a great role as well, you know. Now we're a bit, even now, it's only down a years now. But, um, but the thing is, you know, a lot of bands, you see them, even if they're good, they're split up you can't fucking handle it you know and you, you wish you could tell people like you've got a fucking skin of a fucking rhino you know and the strength of fucking Ulysses you know yeah they want to be sensitive well they think you know when they just get up there and play for an hour it's like fucking hell man you know what I mean yeah and um, and that's what you know that's what we still have to deal with but kind of get into it you kind of have to fucking deal with it you know and it, it does make you a philosopher that way <laughs> in many ways because you've got no choice you know yeah. even though me and Pete were in a lot of philosophy before me you know I used to sit there reading loads of books I thought when they come for me with the fucking interviews I can talk about fucking Plato and James Joyce and all that but it it was like a working class thing for me to do that really yeah. even before the band you know but um, you know, you've got to be like that. You see some bands that get fucking pissed, they think it's all this and that, and then they fucking collapse within no time. And they could be great bands, but you've got to be aware of that stuff, you know. Yeah. Young bands, then. But the young bands now, I don't fucking know. It's all too little bit easy somehow, isn't it? Do you enjoy hanging out with these younger bands? Hanging around? Yeah, a little bit. You know, yeah. they sing our praises and you ask about that, but you think, fuck, man. This is a lot easier than being in a fucking van breaking down on a motorway somewhere yeah. and being fucking skint and fucking starving and not enough for the food. 
We did that shit in the early days. But you know, we never thought of it then. It was like, well, just skating away, you know. That's what you did. That's but that softened you up, so, you yeah. know. Well, great things about that was like, when we played them smaller clubs in the early days, I couldn't hear Pete, he couldn't hear me. It was all by osmosis somehow. Yeah. And to this day, I don't have his vocal in my monitor, he doesn't have mine. And we can harmonise fucking perfect. And we've never sat down at any of it. It's like, you're doing that, I'll do this. I'm doing this, he'll harmonise with me. It's amazing, you know? It's like a natural inbuilt thing, you know? But that comes from who you are. We're back yeah. to play all that stuff of who you are. Somebody can teach you to play the fucking guitar, yeah. but your interpretation of what it is, is that's your opportunity, that's the importance, you know. I mean, we didn't give a fuck about being great <laughs> guitars or great anything. It was just like, look, we want to fucking communicate and say something to somebody out there, you know. And, and and we invented our own style out of that, you know. Buscox is very distinctive, you know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Even Ramones used to come and see us and you know, first time we were in New York and stuff like that. And uh, it's like we loved the Ramones when we started the first Ramones album came out. So you could hear a little bit of that, but we took it to a lot more complex things and they never got over that, you know, their fourth album was the same in the first we you know what I mean? But, but we loved them and all kinds of things and the 60s stuff and the tunes. Now, how long did that take for Ralph to get back? Hi, John. Well, I'll, 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 with him yelling, I'll get, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a good time to end the interview, man. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. Holy crap, buddies. Oh, my God. I can't believe I got to do that. Like, seriously, uh, of all the bands that I've had on here, this is probably like Keith Morris is huge. Man, Steve Diggle from the Buzzcocks. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, folks? I got, I got, I got to interview him today. Well, a couple weeks ago. But, man, what, a, what an experience. And I, I was listening to Mark Maron a couple hours ago, so I'm, I'm accidentally channeling my inner Mark Maron. But as you know, if you're a long-time listener to this show, that I rip him off uh, pretty much as much as I can. Um, I love him. I would have his children if, you know, God would allow such things. Anyway, anyway, friends, I'm super wired up on this interview and Death Wish Coffee. Visit deathwishcoffee.com. Tell them, tell them Mostly Harmless Podcast. You know, maybe they'll keep sending me free coffee. Uh, please visit mostlyharmlesspodcast.com. Uh, like us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on Facebook. Leave us a little review. Send me some love or hate mail. I read it all. I'm really awful at replying to things, but, you know, I get around to it soon. I still have a ton of T-shirts left designed by uh, Descendants artist Chris Sherry. Uh, pick one of those up. Help me get to the fest. If I can make it to the fest in Gainesville, we're going to do a lot more interviews of this kind of variety and whatnot. And uh, if this is your first time listening, again, I, I kind of think of Mostly Harmless as like a first date. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Hopefully it's always inter- entertaining for somebody to listen to the awkwardness that sometimes happens. Uh, I'd like to think that this one went very, 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 very well. And hopefully you will tune in check them out. I've got interviews with Frank Turner, Keith Morris, Two with Chuck Reagan, and we got tons, 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 tons more. Uh, this next season three that we're in right now is going to be huge for us. I'm very excited. Thank you all for coming along and sticking around. Huge thanks to Lisa and Tony from New Noise Magazine. I got to thank them again. Heather West, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Rat Best Denver. Thank you, Raph from the Buzzcocks, and thank you, Steve Diggle, for hanging out uh, and chatting with me, man. It was such a pleasure, and it was so easy. And um, this is one of the more engaged I was. 
in the interview and not whatever reason I was not nervous at all and just sat down and hammered it out and uh Man, this might be the best episode we've done yet. I don't know. The Keith Morrison interview was pretty damn good, but this is a pretty great interview, too. Um, again, deathwitchcoffee.com. That's why I'm rambling uh, rambling like a little fool here. But uh, we're going to go ahead and end this episode with the song that helped me discover the Buzzcocks and helped many, many, many others discover the Buzzcocks. I'm embarrassed that it took me so long to find them. I'm embarrassed even more that I found it on a grocery store radio station. But, you know, it found me. And I'm so happy that it did. Uh, the song is Ever Fallen in Love with Someone You Shouldn't Have from Love Bites, 1978, The Buzzcocks. We'll see you in the funny pages, folks. Thanks for listening. See you next time.